at the back, they've got little baby Sophie. They've been part of our church family since Car Park Church. Who remembers that? Hands up if you were here at Car Park Church last night. Like, feels like forever ago, doesn't it, Car Park Church? And um, Andy also has a proper job, so he is. Let me see if I can get this right. He works for an engineering company doing sustainability for construction companies. Come on, I've been practicing that morning. Exactly. So that's his proper job. And as part of the church family, he's in a life group here. And also he um, works with our youth. So often he goes upstairs. So some of you may not recognize him, but some of you may have seen him before. He's here to talk about the next in our series of Changes That Heal. So this is our, the series that we're looking at at the moment about how we heal ourselves with God's help to be able to live for God in the way ahead, dealing with um, brokenness and pain from the past and in our relationships. Last week, Claire did a, an outstanding talk, if you remember, on relational connection and attachments. And if you missed that, please do listen, because it was really wonderful, really helpful. And yeah, lots of nods, nods around the room. And this week, Andy is going to be talking to us about boundaries. So can we pray for you? And then, sure. Yeah. Great. So why don't you, I don't know, if you want to feel engaged, extend a hand, but let's pray. So come, Holy Spirit. We thank you for Andy. We thank you for the message that you've given him and the way he lives it out in his life. And we ask today that as he speaks, we would have hearts that are soft to hear what you have to say. So come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And um, yes, hello again. So my name is Andy. It is so great to be with you this morning. Um, just a brief message about the DTI. So I was privileged enough to uh, take a car of young people up to London, and it was epic. I mean, think of about five times the number of speakers that we have here, and dancing, and everything was just off the hook. But the thing that I loved the most was actually that the Winchester Vineyard youth really led the people there. So in the two-minute countdown video that they've got to get you know, everybody ready, actually the vineyard youth were standing up. They were ready. They were eager. They were keen. They were full of faith. And actually that just led to so much and led to people encountering Jesus. And God really was there. So DTI is awesome. And thank you for all you parents and other people who invest in youth. It was so much fun to be there and see people encounter God. I also want to say a big thank you um, on behalf of Beth and I and baby Sophie for so many of you making us feel so welcome here as we've joined the church. It has been such a wonderful family that we've felt part of um, and just want to say thank you because that's really special and it means a lot to us. And actually, as part of that, I know that that is the heart of this church, that everyone is to feel welcome. We want everyone to feel welcome here. Um, that is really the heart. So if this is your first Sunday or if you've been here for a long time, you know, Welcome for me, but also I know that is the real heart of the church to feel welcome. And actually, that's one of the reasons why um, we're doing this series. Now, we're doing this series called Changes That Heal to try and enable us all to feel like we can be family together. We can journey together through the highs, through the lows. We can help everyone to feel as though they're welcomed here, they're loved, and we grow and journey together. And so it is exciting to um, be on this second, second session. Uh, so last week was all about connection, and this week is all about boundaries. And let me just start, and we've got a video, 11-minute um, video by Dr. Henry Cloud, who is a fantastic Christian guy in the States who's put together some videos on these different topics. So I'll come to that in just a minute. But I just wanted to start by saying, what do you think of when I say boundaries? I won't ask you to share, but just have a think kind of in your mind. 
I say the word boundaries, what comes to mind? Is it positive? Is it negative? Does it actually bring up some past hurt or pain? Well, let me um, just kind of go through a few maybe different pictures um, just to kind of explore this. You know, maybe you thought of, of parenting and the, uh, the trials and the joys um, of parenting, uh, especially toddlers. Um, we haven't quite got to the, the no stage, but I'm sure that's coming soon. Um, or is it kind of physical extent? Is it your property line? Um, we'll come back to fences later. Fear not, they make another appearance. Um, is it the rules of a game? Actually, boundaries are so important in sports. They're defining the rules of the game. Without them, we'd be lost. Is it more around discipline or setting goals? You know, pushing through boundaries. You can do it. You know, go further. Or is it maybe the other side? Is it avoiding temptation? Is it, is it setting yourself boundaries to keep you in check, be that food or maybe other addictions or items there? Is it actually around um, priorities, maybe, or, or procrastination, dare I say? You know, sometimes I do struggle with this one as well. You know, there's that big task you need to do that's really quite tricky and you should be disciplined, but actually you find yourself playing Wordle because it's really fun. Or is it about budgeting, wise spending, actually keeping in check that way? Or what about digital well-being? You know, is it around screen time um, or, or that side? Or final two, is it about our environmental stewardship? Is it about staying within our planetary boundaries? But I guess the one that I um, want to focus on today, which is often the one which causes us the most hurt, is more around the relational boundaries, relationships, um, and how that can bring such connection, but also what is the role of boundaries in this? And Claire mentioned this brilliantly last week, and I'll, I'll steal her line, that actually when we come to topics like this, we all will have a different reaction. We all will have different past experiences. We'll be in different places. Some will be positive, some will be negative, and no matter how we feel, it's okay. And we're here, and we want to journey together. And that really is the heart behind this course. But just before we watch the video, I may be, um, rather, I was reflecting on this as I was preparing for this talk. And I was thinking about how our current culture sees boundaries. You know, we've each got individual view, but we are here in the world today. How does our culture see boundaries? Actually, I think our culture really struggles with boundaries. I think if you were to try and sum up our culture, you'd say, you know, we are, we are quick to judge, or sorry, the culture is quick to judge, slow to listen. In the tabloids, we hold um, the celebrities or leaders of the day to the highest standards. You know, they're so quick to judge, you've done this, you've done that. But then, actually, there's almost this opposite, which is, well, you do you. Whatever you want to do, that's fine, you know. How can I be free to be me? Don't impose boundaries on me. I'm, I'm who I want to be. And there's this real tension that's going on. That On the one hand, you've got super strict boundaries and kind of elevated status that no one could ever live up to. And on the other hand, you have this, this drive that says, no, 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 I don't want anything to do with that. That doesn't have a place in today's culture. It's all about freedom. I can have freedom without having boundaries. 
Not right. We'll come back to that. But um, there's a Daily Mail article, actually, uh, in July 2020, which had uh, the Emeritus Professor of Sociology in Kent University, a guy called Frank Freledi. And he said this. He was researching the identity crisis in children and realized that a lack of boundaries could be why children are increasingly behaving in a confused and defensive way. And this wider anti-border, he calls it anti-boundary, narrative appears to have a link to a wider change in society over the past few decades. It became very clear to me that any form of cultural distinction that has given meaning to human experience is now being contested. I'll say that again. It's very clear to me that any form of cultural distinction, i.e. a boundary, that has given meaning to human experience is now being contested. And I think there's a spiritual aspect in here as well that is going on. But he ends positively, which is good. He says, all is not lost, and things can be reversed. But people first need to relearn the art of drawing boundaries. So with that, let me hit pause, hand you over to the video, Dr. Henry Cloud, and we'll pick up again afterwards. Hey guys, so now it's time to move into the second big issue to work on, and it's something called boundaries. You might have heard that word. If you've ever heard me speak on this, I tell a story I'll tell you now if you haven't. It's about one day I was at the hospital and a family came to see me, and it was a mom and a dad and two of their adult children in their 20s, a young man, young woman. I sit down and I said to the dad, so how can I help you? He said, well, I want you to fix my son. I said, well, where is he? And the father says, he didn't want to come. I said, why not? And he says, well, he doesn't think he has any problems. I said, well, maybe he doesn't. He said, oh, yes, he does. I said, well, he's not here. What are his problems? And he says, well, first of all, we know he's got a drug problem. I said, well, that can be serious. What's he on? He says, well, he's been smoking dope since he was about 15. I said, how old is he now? He said, he's 23. I said, okay, so he's mellow. What's the next problem? He said, well, he's, he's flunked out of three colleges. Now, my first thought was, how do you do that? I mean, literally, I don't know how to do that. And I said to him, how do you do that? And he said, well, he did. I said, I know how you flunk out of college, the first one. How do you get into the second one? He says, same way I got him in the first one. He didn't have the great. I'm on the board of a lot of, you know, I got him in. And then he said, you know what, doctor? He said, I got him in a second college. I didn't want him all that partying in the dorm. So I bought him a nice condo off campus and didn't want him to have to work and interfere with studying. So I gave him plenty of money. Yeah, he flunked out again. I said, imagine that, kids, <laughs> like parties don't travel, right? He said, and then he flunked out, you know, he said, I, and, the, and then you saw the father's heart, and he, he, he changed for a moment and kind of opened up, and he said, but the thing that bothers me the most, he's 23 years old. He doesn't even have a college major. He said, when I was 23, I had started three companies. I thought for a second, and I said, well, where is he today? He said, well, he didn't want to, I said, I know he didn't want to come, but where might I find him? He said, oh, he's in Vail. I said, Colorado? He said, yeah. And I said, what's he doing there? He said, he's skiing. Thought for a second and turned to him. I said, sir, I'm sorry, <clears throat> but I'm a psychologist, and I help people with problems, and I don't think I can help your son. 
He said, why not? And I said, because frankly, I don't think he has any problems. He's got plenty of money. He's got a new home. He doesn't have any problems. I can't help him. I said, but you, on the other hand, <laughs> I can help you because you got a lot of problems. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you got a drug problem. You got a can't find my niche problem. You got a flunk out of school. He goes, that's not me. That's my, I said, <laughs> you think so? He's in Vail skiing. All right. His biggest problem is do I have time for one more run before lunch? I said, he's in Vail skiing. I said, but you, you're in a psychiatric hospital. You know what kind of people come to psychiatric hospitals? People with problems. I am going to help you to help him to have some problems. I'm going to teach you something called boundaries. He looked at me like my German shepherd would when she didn't understand something, you know, you kind of tilt her head. And I started to explain, look, a boundary is basically a property line, okay? It defines what the property you own, what you control, what you're responsible for, how you're free to use it. And then you have a neighbor over here and they're on their own property and there's a fence in between. And each one of you is responsible for your own property. Well, what happens if that neighbor starts to not take responsibility for their own property and they don't cut their trees and they fall into your yard over the fence. What does the Bible call that? It calls it trespassing, coming over the fence. And see, because there aren't any fences that define what's your problems and your responsibility versus what's his. He's out of control, but the consequences of those problems are falling in your yard. It's the basic law of sowing and reaping the Bible talks about. See, when you set a limit on somebody, a boundary, and say, you know what, what you're doing is really affecting me and I want you to take responsibility for that, then what you're doing is you're creating a limit. The Bible has a thousand different ways to describe this, but that limit contains that problem and it holds somebody responsible for dealing with it themselves. Now my hunch is, you and I, all of us, we can identify with somebody in that story. You know, you might be the sibling, or the adult sibling, or you might be the parent, or it might be an extended family member that's got, you know, maybe they're an alcoholic or they're irresponsible, or maybe they got a rage problem where they, they, they throw their rage at you all the time and it, it trespasses and it hurts you. And what you keep doing is doing something we call enabling because it enables for them to not have to face their problem. So what a boundary does is it says no. You know, we start out in life and we say yes to love and then you get enough love and about the second year you learn another word because you get separate, right? And you start to have your own life a little bit and the toddler goes out and turns around and says no. That's their favorite word. But they also have to learn to receive no and to hear no. Now the Bible, you know, we're taught as Christians to be loving and accepting and patient and forgiving and all that. But sometimes people live out that half of the scriptures. That's the grace side. But there's a truth side. And the Bible also says that as we're being loving, that we have to speak the truth in love. And we have to stand up and say, that's not okay. This is affecting me. Also, where you're in control of your own time, energy, resources, all of that, where you get to choose what you're going to give to somebody and what you're not, instead of being manipulated and controlled into it. A lot of these symptoms we talk about depression, anxiety, addictions, or relationship struggles, or even performance ability. How are you going to reach a goal in your life if you can't say no 
to manipulation. You know, you, you want to go take this course or that's going to take time. And, you know, your, your, your friends or your pastor or somebody says, well, if you, you know, if you really love me, you spend that time with me. And they put that guilt trip on you. You're never going to get there. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this about our giving. Because I'm not talking about living a selfish life here. I'm talking about living a life on purpose. We want to be giving, but you want to be giving to, to needs where people take what you give them. And as the Bible says, when you've had a talent invested in you, there's a return for it. See, we give to needs. We don't give to irresponsibility. We give to needs. We don't give to funding, addictive, out of control, irresponsible, rage attack kinds of behavior. Because when you're given to that, whatever we invest in is going to grow. So, for example, you say to that young man, look, I'll be glad to fund your education, but it's going to come with some truthful requirements, some expectations. You know, the next check is going to come when I get the grades from the previous quarter, and I know that you're doing what you're supposed to do, then I'll write the next check. Or if somebody's an addict, what do we say? I'll be glad to help you, but not by bailing you out one more time. But by, if you agree to go to treatment or go to a program, I'll help and I'll participate in that. So you got to ask yourself, in your giving, what are you funding? Are you in funding future pain? Or are you funding life? See, that's what we want to give to. Another aspect of this is when somebody's doing something hurtful. You know, the Bible says we're to be patient, long-suffering. But patience and long-suffering doesn't begin, really, until we've stood up and said, here's the program and I'll be patient long suffering with you while you go through recovery or while you go through therapy or while you're trying to change, certainly I'll be patient with that. But I won't be patient and continue to be abused forever. Go to Matthew 18. It's the greatest, one of the greatest examples of boundaries that you see. And what it says is if somebody hurts you, you go to them and you talk to them in private. And then it says if they listen and they're wise, they, you've won them over. You solve the problem. Limit set, they, they, they fix their tree, okay? But it says this, if they don't listen, what does it say do? Well, continue to nag them for five years. Continue to, to you know, try to get them to be better. It doesn't say that. It says get a little stronger boundary. It says get a couple of people to go with you. Sit down with them say, you know what? We've all experienced this and this hurtful behavior it's not okay. And you do a little bit of a mini intervention. And then it goes from there to a further one. It says, you know, you, you, you start to increase the, the group size. That's a formal intervention, for example. And then it says, finally, the biggest boundary is, well, if you're not going to get sober, you can't live here. Or if you're going to continue to, to get drunk and ruin every family, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, then this year you can't come till we see some sort of change. Basically, the final boundary says some sort of separation that's aimed at getting some change. So see, this thing about boundaries, it's not being unloving. No more being unloving than a parent who says no to their kid that wants to run in the street. That's a boundary. How many parents would do better try, instead of trying to get kids to you know, come to dinner and nagging them for an hour, say dinner's at six, this isn't a drive-through, show up at six, you're gonna get some food, Dinner closes at 6.45, and then everything's cleaned up, and they come in hungry and say, sorry, we'll feed again tomorrow. 
Boundaries are about self-control. I don't want everybody else having control of you anymore. I want you to have control of you. That's what the Bible says is the fruit of the Spirit. So when you get back in control and stop the abuse, and you may need help, you may need a group, you may need to do an intervention, you may need to just have a difficult conversation. You get back in control, and all these symptoms are going to start to be healed. There is so much in that video. There is so much. And um, I'm going to be a disclaimer now that I'm not going to be able to unpack everything in that. Indeed, this morning it's just going to be a skim off the surface. But if there are items which, do, which have kind of come up in that video or indeed for the rest of this morning, and I pray that God would be um, putting those in your heart, then do you follow that up. Um, and we'll, we'll come to that at the end. So what are boundaries? Um, I think it is uh, uh, the second half of really the talk last week. So the talk last week is all about relational connection. And as um, Dr. Henry said at the start, you know, th that is the starting point. That bonding, that connection is the start. But actually, boundaries are the second part of this. And if connection is all about relationship, boundaries is about separateness, or maybe another word is uniqueness. And Claire went back to Genesis, um, and I think I'm going to do the same. So um, just to show that actually it's all God's idea, and just to give us that little bit of a foundation as we go forward. So in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God, the Father, created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, and if you just expand God said with then the bit from John 1, where it says Jesus is the Word of God who made uh, his dwelling with us, you can see there that you've got these three persons of the Trinity right from the very start. So before the fall, you've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are connected in relationship, but they're also unique. They have different purposes. And there's this diagram that I found, um, actually it's on Wikipedia, which I think, I mean, no one can ever fully describe the Trinity, but maybe this goes a little way to help us, that says, actually, God is all of these, but also each person of the Trinity is unique. Each aspect of, God, of the Godhead is unique. And so we can see right from the start that boundaries, far from current culture saying, I don't want anything to do with it, actually they are good and they are God's idea. And that's the first point um, just to share this morning, that, that they are there for us and they're also there to, um, as the basis of our own personal identity. It, it, they're, they're there to say what we are and what we are not, what we will choose and what we will not choose, what we will endure, what we will not endure, what we will feel, what we will not feel, what we like, what we do not like, and what we want, and what we do not want. I think that, um, well, actually, let me say it another way. We are all made in God's image, so we all reflect this. We all have that need to be connected with others, but we all are fearfully and wonderfully made unique. And God has a plan and a call for each of us. And actually, boundaries, in a sense, 
um, to master the art of being me without the fear of being rejected by you. Boundaries are the art of being me, who God made us to be, without the fear of being rejected by you. So the second um, point, the second half of this talk, is just to think around then, how can we set or mend boundaries? And actually that this leads to us uh, growing, leads to healing, and actually leads to love, to be able to love others and, and be loved. And uh, in the video, uh, Dr. Henry mentioned about Ephesians 4, and I just wanted to um, expand on that a little bit. And I love the message version of Ephesians 4. Um, It says this, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk, better yet run, on the road called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, quick at mending fences. You are called to travel on the same road in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think is to do, is to, is to do permeated with oneness. And in the second half, it goes on to talk about the gift that God has given us. It says, out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. And it talks about the gifts of equipping the church be it around being an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, teacher, these different examples of gifts that God gives to each one of us. And then in verse 15, the speak the truth in love verse. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love. So taking a step back from this, Ephesians is a book written to the church all about unity, all about growing together, encouraging another growing in relationship with God. But actually, in this passage about oneness, we've also got this bit about uniqueness. And I love this about the Bible. I love how Jesus especially comes along and says, so you've got these two what you think are opposites, oneness, uniqueness. They're completely different, right? Well, no, they go together. Let's, let's do another example. How about being fully devoted to God and paying taxes to Caesar. The Pharisees thought they had Jesus caught on this one, right? They thought, no way can you be fully devoted to God and pay taxes to Caesar. And Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand. Actually, there's another dimension here. Actually, there's a kingdom way. What about Joshua when he encountered the angel of the Lord before going into battle? He said, whose side are you on? Are you for me or against me? And the angel said, no, 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 you don't understand. Neither, neither. There's a bigger aspect here. And it's kind of the way that God calls us in this. He says, it's not a choice between unique and being one. They are together. This is God's heart for us to be connected and for us to be unique. If that's some of the theological background then to boundaries, and I hope you see that this is God's idea. We are called to have them. I wonder how many can relate to this view. Isn't this appropriate for this weekend? Yes. (laughs) Um, This is from Google, but I imagine there are many thousands of broken fences around. I've certainly seen a couple on the way here um, this morning. 
And um, in the video, you'd have heard about the property line and how if there's a tree on the other side of your fence and if it falls into your fence, then that is something which impacts you. And I was looking at this and also reflecting, you know, imagine if your neighbour um, didn't mend this fence. Kind of, how would you feel? How would you feel? You might start feeling a bit annoyed, then start actually, you know, bugging you. Or imagine, actually, if your neighbour goes, oh, you've got some really nice bulbs planted in your flower bed just there. You know this fence, I'm just going to move it a bit, just because I want to see the daffodils whilst I'm doing the washing up. Is that all right? I'm I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm just going to move that fence. And then their kids come along and maybe they start playing football and actually they realise it's so much fun and they might be able to knock over this fence panel. And so they start kicking the ball and the fence panel falls down. How do you feel about that? Suddenly, they have a major influence over you and your freedom, your identity in some respects is impacted And that's physically, mentally, and also spiritually, I would say. And so there's a need to mend that fence. There's a need to to bring that boundary back and say, now you can have your freedom in your own garden, but I'm going to look after my patch. And actually, I want to define this so I can have freedom here where I am. So how can we go about mending this fence? Well, there are three core tenets in this whole Changes That Heal course. Grace, truth, and time. And they are all important. But I think it starts with grace. Let me tell you a story. I uh, used to live in London. It's where um, I met Beth. uh, And then we escaped to the countryside. Um, We're one of those people, sorry. Um, But I was living in London, and this is a few years ago. And I just started a new role within my uh, work, which was based up in Cambridge at that point. So I was reverse commuting up to Cambridge. And uh, it was really tough. It was a role which demanded a lot. Um, I was behind. Um, The people didn't give me much time. Um, I was really quite struggling with it. I was regularly working till 10, 30, 11 at night. At that point, I was house sharing with people I didn't really know. I felt alone. I felt isolated. I felt completely burnt out. Um, And my work and everything had just taken over. Um, The fence was basically completely down. I was really struggling. I remember vividly one Friday night when I was sprinting actually back to try and get on the train because I'd just submitted something for a deadline, which was far from perfect, but was the best that I could do. And I got on the train and I basically curled up into a little ball on the seat and just slept or just kind of retreated back into my shell for the 52-minute train journey back into King's Cross. And actually, that night was a worship night at the church, which I was going to. And I really felt and also forced myself to go to that worship night. And I went in, I sat in the back. And during that evening, Jesus just gently ministered to me. He met me where I was. And he said, come. This is not how I want you to live. Come. Follow me. And it all starts with that grace. It all starts with Jesus, who paid the price on the cross, who descended to the depths. He has been there. Whatever you're going through today, whatever hurt, 
whatever pain, he has been there, but he didn't stay there. And he calls us out. He says, come, follow me. It starts with that grace. And actually, we as the church have a role to play as well. That's the, the second part of grace, as it were. You know, it starts with Jesus. Actually, we as a church are there to draw alongside people, to help people, to say, let me come give you a hand, hand with that fence. You know, you might not feel able to go and talk to your neighbor on your own, but I'm going to come along with you. I'm going to draw alongside you and help you. I've seen that you're struggling. How can I support you in this? I hope today, no matter where you are, you feel that, that welcome, but also that knowledge that people are around and that Jesus is for you. It doesn't just end with grace, though. There is truth. And actually, as the video is mentioning, sometimes we really need to, well, always we need to have this blend of grace and truth. So what's the truth about fences? What are the ways we can start to mend and heal these fences? Well, actually, the first one is about ownership. It's about understanding where our fence line is and understanding and taking responsibility for that. Now, where that fence line would be, I think, is something which really varies on the situation. So let me give you some examples. If you have a toddler, you are not going to give them free reign as to what to do. You're not going to set a fence line a long way away and say, it's okay, you have lots of freedom. Actually, the wise boundary that you set there may be quite close. In a similar way, we were doing some befriending up in North London, and actually the most loving boundary that we could set in that context, working with vulnerable people, was in a sense quite close. We were saying, we can help you with this, this, and this, and we will be here for this hour of the week. And actually, that was really helpful to everybody involved because it set a boundary. It said, we're going to be responsible for this part. Actually, for the rest of it, and if you've got other problems, we're going to signpost you to other people who are able to help, but we're going to take responsibility for this. And that really kind of, yeah, helps everybody not get burnt out, but also helps push into kind of what is the most loving way of setting that boundary. If there's a teenager in your life, though, or if actually it's another relationship, then where that boundary is will be different. Because for teenagers, we want to be um, developing and growing their own will and giving them more responsibility for items which are theirs to have that responsibility. So instead of you know, saying to toddler, you might only have a minute left with this toy and then we're going to be taking it away, actually... How can we work with screen time or with tidying your room or other items? How can we make that better? I'm sorry, where can we set that boundary to actually help grow that responsibility and give the freedom? My mother um, uh, used to run parenting courses. I have two elder sisters and me, and we, I think, were regularly guinea pigs, um, but also... You know, sometimes I think we got the, the, full, the full parenting book thrown at us sometimes. Um, I remember vividly uh, one kind of small example is, is writing thank you cards after kind of a birthday or Christmas and then trying to instill in us good manners or setting kind of right behaviours in that way. I used to not want to do it and it would take forever. Until then the boundary was set, well, actually you know, all these nice desserts I've just made for Sunday lunch. Yeah, well, well, they're only for people who have written their thank you cards. 
There are only a few people who have done this. Do you know what? One Christmas, a boundary was set. They were all done in the Boxing Day. Done, finished, over, bang. Actually, there was a responsibility there. There was the same with tidying the room. There was the same with chores around the house. Actually, and I'm very thankful for my parents for this, they put the responsibility on me. And although it was a journey, and it takes time, and I'm sure there are many stories, if my mother was here, she would tell you how I got it wrong and was naughty a lot of the time. Um, It was a journey, and those boundaries helped me grow and helped form my identity and my will. When we come to thinking then about relationships which maybe have hurt us or which are painful, I think these three elements come in. And I think as well, it's worth thinking about the time aspects and how we will need to persevere with setting, with mending boundaries. It is also a case where prayer, I think, can bring breakthroughs and where we spoke before about the the spiritual and the physical being connected, I think prayer can really help with this, but also walking alongside and with people. So my, my heart for you today as we talk about boundaries, as we skim this surface, is to think, where is the Lord, you know, calling me? What, 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 what people or maybe aspect of my life, maybe it is around kind of personal boundaries, maybe it's around relationship, maybe it's around the spiritual side too. What, what is the Lord saying, actually, there's something here which isn't quite right? That fence has been moved, and, and maybe you've, you've suffered so much of it. Maybe someone else is controlling you. Maybe someone has far too big a voice in your life, and God just wants to say, you know what, let's, let's put that fence back up and where it should be, rather than where it is causing a lot of hurt now. Or maybe there's something which you say, well, the fence line now, I, 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 I kind of just need to say no to somebody. And I don't feel like I've said no to that somebody or something for a while. But actually, that's what I need to do. And we're called to love people. Yes, we are also called to have our own free will. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And within that We have the authority, we have the power to say, no, this is my choice, and I'm going to say no to that in a loving way, but actually there are times we need to say no. So as I come into land, I just want us to take a moment, and um, maybe in a moment, Joe, you can come up, and we can move into time of ministry, but just to think, where are some boundary lines for me? Are there ways which God wants to to heal, to mend. Other things in my personal life, my personal walk with God, my attitudes, my feelings, my behaviors, my choices, which God just wants to bring back into a bit more right order. Or are there relationships which come to mind, which you think, I need God's help, and actually, this is the way we want to have a bit of ministry in this. Or finally, as we're doing with the youth last week, is it more of the spiritual side? And God calls us to wear the armor of God. And actually, what's going into our minds? And are there things which just we need to kind of re-put back in place, some boundaries, just to to help us grow in the faith and help us be all in, as uh, Nigel was mentioning before. So let me just close with, with a prayer and um, then invite Joe up and, and we'll just move into time just to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. 
Because this is a safe space and God wants us to be the fullness of who he made us to be. So Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you made us fearfully and wonderfully. You know us. You call us even in the darkest, deepest places. Even when we think there is no hope or we feel trapped, you are there. And Jesus, we just want to give you our ears today and say, Lord, how do you want to speak to us? Where do you want to set us back upon you, the rock, with the right boundaries in place to enable us to be who you made and called us to be? Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name.